Howdy, folks. Joe DeRosa welcoming you to We'll See You in Hell. Pat's here, too. It's not just me. <laughs> I thought surely that was some sort of like sound check. It was such a bizarre intro to the show. Spotty all over the place. No real theme or through line to it. As an actor, Pat, uh, I've, I take chances. Yeah. And I say nothing's off the table. So, and sometimes chances don't work out. I mean, for every Nicolas Cage Mandy, you got a Nicolas Cage 211 or whatever the new movie on Netflix is. It's like a, an area code as a title. Nicolas Cage eating a sandwich is the cover of the uh, the box. Is um, it an action f- movie, this one? I think it is. I, I follow the site Instant Watcher, which tells you uh, what the top 50 movies are on Netflix and Amazon each day. It's very helpful. You know what came out. And uh, two one one was on there. It had you know three percent. Oof. And Cage has a new movie on there nearly every Friday that you've never heard of. And it always has a verb title: searching, yeah, right, looking, knowing. And then the weeks where he doesn't have one, then there's Bruce Willis lazily holding a shotgun, and those are always called like Jupiter. Yeah. Ascendant or something yeah. like that. And those are always the ones where people are like, you know that was supposed to be Death Wish 5, right? Right. But it wasn't good enough? Right. <laughs> and there's always the one with like, that, that one actually was really good. The one with him and uh, 50 Cent. That, that was actually really good. I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm glad you just said 50 Cent because I was wondering how I was going to bring this up. But I, for some reason, and I'm a fan of 50 Cent as a rapper. Sure. I've never really followed First his album, films yeah. closely. Somehow on YouTube, I got into this rabbit hole with Get Rich or Die Trying. The movie? Yeah. Like, just watching clips of it and stuff. And then I was like, how did this do? And I looked it up online, and it did did very poorly. I think it made money, but it it was critically slammed. And then I was like, I wonder what happened to the guy that directed Get Rich or Die Trying. It's the fucking guy that directed (laughs) My Left Foot. Jim Sheridan. In the name of the father. In America, one of my favorite movies of all time. Isn't that's insane? I know, and it was written by uh, Terrence Winter, who is arguably the best Sopranos writer, next to David Chase, who did the whole thing. Um, and they made a joke about it on the Sopranos. There's like a used DVD bin, and some guys like oh, you, I, you couldn't pay me three dollars to watch this shit. And it's you know the movie, the, the guy who wrote the episode wrote. I think he hated it too. It came out like five years too late for Fifty Cent's Prime. I never saw it. I've never seen it. I know he's got a show on Stars now where he jerks off on camera called like Power. Power, I believe. You see his dick, and you see him. He jerk. It's the only scene I've seen of the show. He jerks off on camera, and then he was all upset because they aired it, like as if they had told him, "Go ahead and jerk off, but we won't show your <laughs> cock." Which I just don't believe. So is you true. you literally see his hand on his dick, and you see him jerking his dick. Correct, not to climax, but yes. It's not like it's a cutaway on his face the whole time. No, oh, no, Jesus. dick in the shot. Ugh, 
Sharon Stone also claims that she was not made aware she would be showing the, her uh, her beeve in Basic Instinct. We don't know what these stories. Give are. me a fucking break. I think generally it's, it's that that that's the whole scene. She it does is. it to. She, it would have had to be written that way. Yeah, uh, you I mean, would yeah. think. You would think. Unless unless they were like, we're in a tight we're in a tight onesie here, right? Chair. We're, now you, we got you, you from the shoulders that in those up. Days, and you know they would have done that. I wouldn't put it past anybody, let alone Paul Verhoeven. A man, All right, maybe. a man who uh, yeah. used the invisibility gimmick in Hollow Man to uh, have the lead character spy on and sexually assault women is how he chose to use being invisible. That's that's the whole plot of Hollow Man. It's a lot of Hollow Man. Is him like watching people undress? I've never. Uh... It's like Zapped, but a <laughs> horror movie, but not fun, right? Uh, I I uh, I never saw Hollow Man. That that was in that stir of echoes period of bacon movies that I had no. Well, yeah, everybody started doing these thrillers. You know I love stir of echoes. You know I love wild things. But yeah, I got no love for Hollow Man. But it was like it was like when uh, what was that movie with? I uh, God, I hate this movie, and everybody always says it's good. That movie with Bill Paxton that came out right. Frailty. Then? Yeah, Frailty's pretty sweet. I, I just didn't like it. There yeah. was that they were that was a genre for a minute where they had mainstream actors suddenly start doing these thrillers. They weren't quite horror films. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of that. It was a real early 90s kind of thing. Like I, I just I never got into it or mid, mid or mid or late 90s actually, but it's uh, weird the shifts. I mean, the biggest thing in the early 90s was thrillers, Hand That Rocks the Cradle, all that all those really great popcorn type thrillers. Those are gone unless they're uh, black films, basically. They do like When the Bow Breaks or When the Cradle Falls and all that stuff. Right. And I've seen a few of them and they're kind of fun, but I don't know. It's just strange how genres change. It's, it's always very baffling to me. Then teen romance and teen horror were huge in the late 90s. You can't find one of those now to save your life. Yeah, like I know what you did last summer. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't into those either. Scream, you know, Scream is good. Um they hit me when I was in high school, you know, 90, 96 to 99. So I watched all of them. Some are better than others. A lot of those teen movies are underrated. Drop Dead Gorgeous is very funny. Sugar and Spice, very funny. Well, those aren't. Josie and the Pussycats, very funny. Those aren't thrillers, though. Those are. Um, I just, I said the teen comedies. The oh, teen you did? <laughs> Not another teen movie is very funny. Spoof of those movies. Okay. You did say that. I believe. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm sorry. I zoned I, out. I might not. I mean, that's the the beauty of this. We have the tape. You can see who was right and who was wrong. Let's go to the tape, Your Honor. Uh, uh, Pat, we got a lot, I think, both to say today about our movie this week, Tales, Tales from, the from the Hood 2. 2. Yeah. We recently discussed Tales from the Hood, one that really surprised me and Joe, and uh, I think was a very entertaining horror picture with a lot on its mind and a lot to say. Oh. And Tales from the Hood 2, uh, we might have different views. And speaking of movies and tales, uh, we're, this is the official announcement of what we'll be discussing at the live shows. We will be discussing Tales from Halloween, or of Halloween. Tales of Halloween on Netflix, new to Netflix. Yeah, we'll be discussing that um, like probably on the early show, and then on the late show we're, we'll discuss uh, ho- the new Halloween. Right, the new Danny McBride, David Gordon Green Halloween remake. So, 
uh, if you don't want to have that movie spoiled for you, you have basically 24 hours to see it. You got to see it Friday night or Saturday during the day. Otherwise, we're probably going to reveal plot points, and uh, you know, you know what Halloween is. So, yeah. So, um, so anyway, those are the mo- we wanted to do two Halloween themed movies for the live show, and what better two than than those two? That's very apropos. Um, Joe anyway. and I are going to be rolling into this live show, a couple drinks deep. We're going to see the new Halloween. We're going to hit Amoeba. We're going to roll in it with positive vibes and a lot of surprises for that live show. Very Get excited. Ready. Very excited about it. Get ready. Very excited about and, it. And by the way, we'll be releasing both live shows. This is the most asked question I have seen on the Facebook page. Both live shows will be released uh, as Patreon episodes. So if you've been debating, if you've been on the fence, now's the time to get that Patreon. We will be broadcasting both live shows. Yeah, the first one will be uh, October's bonus app, and the second one will be November's bonus app. Correct. Um, wow, you, 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 it, you're through that beer already. <laughs> we opened a beer at the beginning of the recording, and I look over, <laughs> just some faint suds on the inside of Pat's bottle. I... <laughs> Today, I slept for like 10 hours. I woke up like just weary. I forced myself to exercise, and then this beer hit my lips, and I was like, well, I, I better nip this in the bud before I drink 800 beers tonight. Nip what in the bud? Just, you know, I had a, a pretty a real tame weekend. I didn't leave my house. Right. I chilled at home, and then it's, it's as they say in old school, once it touches your lips, you know? You want to uh, to do more? Oh, oh, oh! You mean I better nip the the exercising in the bud? No, I mean I, I'm I'm a little uh, hungry. I'm a little tired. I'm a little yeah. worn out, you know. And then you drink, and then the drinks hits you twice as fast because you got no water in the tank. Right. And I was thinking I better nip it in the bud, meaning I don't want to be hungover for a full week of work starting tomorrow. Right. Although we have discussed going out after this recording, and we may. I thought you were saying drinking the beer fast was nipping it in the bud. That's that's the part I didn't understand. Let's just pretend I didn't say nip it in the bud. <laughs> I drank it so fast that I realized I need to nip my alcoholism in the bud. I guess is what I meant. Because I would say drinking it that fast is the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Yes. Because now you need another one. Yes. I'll and probably have another one. Good news. That mic cord is long enough <laughs> that you can make it to that fridge from I'll where go. you're sitting. I'll go. Um Anyway, we I want to I want to give us enough time to really talk about tales, sure from the hood too. So if uh, if you want to take us down to the, well, first let's get on with the show, and at the same time on with the Joe girls, they wanna have fun. Joe girls just wanna <laughs> have fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, I didn't get it at first, but then I remember she goes, oh, yeah, now I get it. Wake Very up nice. in the morning light, my father says, what you gonna do with your life? <laughs> Who was the father? A famous wrestler? Captain Lou Albano. Captain that Lou Albano. That was a Albano. theme in Cindy Lauper videos, and then she appeared on WWF. Okay. He was a wrestling manager? No, he was a wrestler, I think. He was okay. be- I mean, he was a little older when I started watching as a kid and at that point I think he was more of a personality. Yeah. I imagine he was a wrestler at one point. He played Mario. 
on the uh, live action S- Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was the show where they would show the Mario Brothers cartoon uh, with live wraparound segments in their like plumbing facility. Okay, and he was he played Mario. Okay, and then once a week they'd show a Zelda cartoon. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. But the, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and it starts with a rap song where yeah. they dance in and rap. I don't remember that song. I also remember the Mario Brothers movie. There's a, a fascinating article released about the making of that pretty recently that I would look up, like an oral history. Uh, Terrible film. I've watched many making of videos, and it's just, it's wild. Like, there's the whole thing where Leguizamo crashes the car because they were drunk. They were drinking while they were driving the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, Leguizamo but, in the oral history says he realized like a week in, he was like, how is Bob Hoskins not going insane? Because these people suck so much, these directors. And then he realized that Hoskins was just drinking out of a bottle of bourbon all day. <laughs> so then they started drinking together all day, every day. And then every scene in that movie he said they're completely drunk. Like blackout drunk. <laughs> Wow. It's a different time. Yeah, it was a better time. It was. Uh, uh, I'm going to... My theme today for the movie corner, and I can only get two, but I'll add a third as well, is movies involving severed penises. Because I watched two such movies this weekend, by mistake. Okay. Uh, I watched a bunch. Yesterday, I watched movies from about noon to midnight. It was fantastic. I watched Game Over Man by the Workaholics crew. How was that? I heard it wasn't very good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a mess. The One of the grossest things I've ever seen was in an episode of Workaholics where they are presented at a diner a skunk carcass, like as a meal, and it's got maggots and everything on it. And the effect was so gross that you couldn't have laughed if you wanted to and started a trend of workaholics being like a really disgusting show to the point where you couldn't laugh. So I stopped watching it. Not necessarily for that reason. I thought it got kind of significantly less funny over time. This movie, it's disgusting. (laughs) It's got like insanely graphic violence, like beyond the point where you're allowed to then still laugh at things. I don't mind it if it's an action movie. Doesn't it open with a really gross thing? The whole th- well, I, this was a big day of watching movies I had started months right. ago. So I'm hazy on the beginning of the movie. No, I think you told me it opens with like Adam masturbating or something. Oh well, there's a 10 minute scene where he's just got his dick out and is running around a hotel room. That's yeah. probably what it was. Um, there is a scene where like a dog explodes and then like the blood splashes all over the people at this party and stuff. I, it's like a Freddy Got Fingered style of comedy that I don't like. I don't get it. I don't like. I don't think anybody liked. I was very disappointed in Freddy Got Fingered. Not one minute of fingering in that film. <laughs> that one is the closest I, I came during those days to a walkout, Freddy Got Fingered. But I knew that it wanted me to walk out, so I would not give it the satisfaction. <laughs> Game I, over, man. One of my dear friends, John Gabris. It's a hilarious man, uh, an improviser, a big dude. A burly, yeah. probably 300-pound dude. It's kind of his claim to fame. Stoner is also his claim to fame. He does a lot of drugs. <laughs> and I love the man. I'm watching Game Over, man. I get about an hour in. And the villain is harassing this like other guy at this party that he's got held hostage. Uh-huh. And he's like, you're just mad at me. I'm waving your gun around because I made you eat that stripper's asshole. 
and you got crabs in your throat. It's a really gross joke. It's a real. It's gross, not funny. That's what I'm saying. It's a gross, <laughs> not funny joke. And then the guy's like, "I'm going to get revenge on you," and he brings this fat guy over, and I realize that it is my dear friend John Capris, who strangely had never told me he was in this film. Mm-hmm. Then the villain pulls down Gabrus's pants and underwear, revealing his bent-over ass, pushes him face down on a table, and then forces this guy at the party to tongue out my dear friend John Gabrus's ass. What the fuck? And I'm just kind of sitting there like, <laughs> I'm too old for this, you know? Danny Glover style? That's exactly right. Yeah, I'm, I got I'm you. feeling more like Danny Glover every day. Um, <clears throat> I've got a, a decent sized list here, but you know what I just realized? We no. got to record two episodes today, right? And then we have two on Saturday, right? And your week's going to be nuts. We better save some movies for the movie corner on Saturday. I'm going to have plenty. All right, I'm just I'm just looking out for you. I'm going to have time. I watched a ton. Uh, I uh, watched a, a film, a little film called. Uh, well, Amer- I wasn't done. Oh, you weren't done. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I mean, I was just sort of listing things that happened. But I thought yes. that that was the climax. I thought that was the closer to the story no. is the fat man getting his asshole eaten out. <laughs> no, There's I mean, more. that could be the end of my review. I think you get what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it was real hard for laughter to sneak through, although there were some shootouts, some action sequences, some violent sequences that were really well done and kind of cool and fun. Not enough to recommend it. There's also a couple lines I enjoyed. For example, they find this big pile of hand lotion, and the guy says, Damn, this is like a Buffalo Bill went to Costco amount of hand lotion. It's a funny and I was joke. like, that's a funny joke. Yeah. But it's the kind of movie where those jokes make you go, oh, that was weird, as opposed to there being a lot of funny jokes. Right. I can't recommend it. I like uh, the early years of Workaholics. I think those fellows are funny. Can't recommend it. Sorry, Joe. Go ahead. Uh, I watched a film called American Fable. What the hell is that? Uh, it's a movie, uh, that plays like a fable, uh, draws its inspirations from, uh, Aesop. Yeah, there's a little Aesop in there. There's a little fairy tale quality. It's a thriller. There's a, there's, there are a few moments where, well, not a few moments for the first half of the movie. You're not sure if this is going to turn into some sort of fantastic, thing or whatever but it's a uh, who me- was Aesop was he an actual person an old man what, what is this a Seinfeld routine you're doing <laughs> I want to know who Aesop was <laughs> I really do was he an actual person yeah he wrote the fables he wrote the fables in like the 19 hundos the 17 hundos Pat I don't even know if he was an actual person let alone what year he penned these things but yeah I think yeah all right you ever listen to Aesop Rock you ever listen to uh, Aesop Rocky I've listened to both. Yeah. Thoughts on each? It bothered me that ASAP Rocky was basically took his name from ASAP Rocky. I found that strange. Yeah. I found that strange. I do like all the ASAP Rocky albums. I like ASAP Rock, what I've heard fine. Um, and I like ASAP Ferg, who was also in the uh, the ASAP mob. I like uh, Fergie myself. Fergie. She pissed her pants once. I know. That's yeah. why I like her. All right. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a marginally fun thriller. 
It's uh, where's it about? Never even heard of this thing. Anyone it's about it? a it's about a farm in the 1980s, and uh, the farms are the farm community is collapsing. All the farms are being bought up by developers, and everybody's going broke and belly up and blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, it's good that you care about the common man. Uh, oh, it's about a farm in the 80s? I mean... Well, it takes place on the farm, and then the little girl finds a man inside of this old abandoned silo on her property. Silo when I was young. That the dad tells I her... I used to call your name. Stay away from. You ever heard that song? No. Can I just get through this? I just want to... I don't really want to talk about this movie long. Shiloh by Neil Diamond. I just always like... Like, you're picking movies now that, like... No one has heard of. Every week you're like, yeah, I saw, you know, like, deteriorating astronaut. What, what do I, what do you, you get a marshal Shutter my, Black. You're going to marshal my movies? I'm, I just, I, I, can't, I don't know, I can't even join the conversation. I got to start singing Shyla. You don't need to join. I, you, I just let me say that if it was good or not, we could move on. That's why I want to move on. It wasn't a great movie. I thought I maybe had discovered some fun. Little thriller. All right. And it's it it was kind of boring, but the plot is she finds this man locked in this silo. And again, you don't know if this is real or not. Yeah. And uh and then as the movie spoiler alert, as the movie unfolds, you realize he's a missing land developer who the dad has kidnapped and put into the silo <sighs> so he can't ruin any more farms. <laughs> That sounds horrible. <laughs> Joe, we live in an age where, like, you're not going to, like, watch some random movie and it'll be amazing. You can look and there will be 100 people that have written about these unsung classics. Here's where I watched it. The damn thing was on, I think, Amazon What's it called Prime. again? American Fable. Okay. The title, I was like, oh, that's an interesting title. Is this, like, a fantasy movie? The, 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 the thumbnail for the thing was, like, this, like, like wicked queen on a horse in a cornfield and i was like oh this looks like it's gonna be like a horror movie then i read the description it's like drawing its inspirations from fairy tales gothic horror and i was like oh this sounds like it's gonna be awesome right and then i watch it and i'm watching i'm watching it then you get to the point where you go well now i can't turn back i started and at that point i started looking up reviews right which all said the same thing. It was it was it was expertly directed for a first time director, which it was, but the movie just isn't that interesting. All right. So so there you go. There's your fucking American fable. Uh, I watched the package, which is another Netflix original, and, not, and another. You think you'd learn from Game Over, man? Then you you turn immediately to a movie where a guy gets his dick cut off. But the package was surprisingly well-reviewed. And I saw some guys... I, I follow a lot of film guys on Twitter. And a lot of them really raved about it and said, like, it's a return to the American pie and the raunchy days or whatever. Guys, pull your heads out of your fucking ass. <laughs> pull, pull your heads out of your fucking asses. The package was not good. It was not funny. The cast was not particularly amusing or likable. Um, it was by the guy who did uh, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, one of the more hotly contested titles on this show. Oh, yeah. Which you never even saw. It's up there with Tower Heist. You never even saw it. I refused to see it. But you certainly knew All I know is, how this, it was. is the wife from The Great Outdoors is in it. That's the only thing that makes me kind of want to see it. Is she? 
She is. She plays like the ant or something. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. I thought that movie was funny, as as we all know. I just thought this wasn't. It was a real long 90 minutes. I mean, basically, it's a guy accidentally cuts his dick off on a camping trip. There are 35 scenes in this fucking thing where they put the dick in a cooler. They trip over a branch, and the dick comes flying out of the cooler in slow motion. They do it 35 times. It's just a movie. like That premise could have led to a amazing comedy, you know? Whether that whether or not they show you the dick a million times as this one does or not. Could have been subtle, could have been gross out, but this movie just has no imagination to it. They're trying to get the dick from A to B. They fall into the same obstacles again and again and again, which basically involves tripping and dropping the dick. It just did not work in any way. I did some research on it. It was the subject of a mass intense bidding war, the script, that Netflix won. <sighs> just goes to show you it's like in the tv pilot world there's a pilot every year called like fucking bitch and then there's a big bidding war for it right and then you read it and it's just a standard sitcom pilot that's boring and has nothing to do they decided i'll name it fucking bitch so everyone can think it's edgy even though you can't call a show on network television fucking bitch right then they buy it and they're like oh we can't do the edgy version of this and the show never gets made People are just fooled by these flashy things. You read that movie about the guy who gets his dick cut off? Oh, that sounds funny. And then everyone's bidding on it. But at the end of the day, nobody cares. Nobody wants to see it. There's nothing original about it. It's a sick business. What's your next movie, Joe? <laughs> I'll close this out on a high note. Or are you going more than two? Didn't you Pat's say- Movie Corner involves three pictures each week. Okay. I, it's, uh, I thought at the beginning you said you had two. No, but- I have tons, I said. No, no, no. Oh, I have two about people thought, cutting I their dicks you off. That, that, and you go, I've, I thought you meant like, so those were the one that, God damn it. I that. thought you said that you were okay, spied it. <laughs> I rewatched uh, the film uh, Delirious. John Candy or John Eddie Candy. Okay. Uh, I have always loved the movie. I loved it again. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it in years. I was worried that I, I actually put it on because I hadn't seen it in so long. I thought, well, I love this as a kid. I, it probably doesn't hold up, and it'll be easy to fall asleep to. Ended up staying up watching it front to fucking back. It's a fucking really funny movie, man, and it just got panned. People I, uh, hated it. I haven't seen it since it came to video when I was a boy, I ha- and maybe I'll give it another shot. I don't, I don't remember liking it much then. I put it's, it with Once Upon a Crime, where I was very disappointed. I it. watched, or tried to watch Once Upon a Crime, based yeah. on my thrill of Delirious, and right. I couldn't even get through it. And that's quite a cast. Levy... Sort of is. Levy directed it. Is he Richard even Lewis? It? Yeah, it's like Richard Lewis, uh, Sean Young, yeah. Jim Belushi. Okay. You half know. and half. Uh, but, uh, excuse me, she... Uh, that was when every movie poster was the cast in front of a uh, police lineup. Yeah. They did that on like 800 movies. Yeah, a, a review I read uh, on Rotten Tomatoes of Once Upon a Crime was uh, uh, usually a movie, usually movies centering around pl- the plot, of, usually movies whose plots center around a stolen dog <laughs> aren't very good. This one is no exception. Sure. Well, so, uh, John Wick blew that theory out of the water. Well, this was a review written 20 yes, years ago. That's true. Uh, but I bet they ate their words when they saw John Wick. Yeah, sure. Delirious was 
I, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It's about a writer who who somehow wakes up after an accident in his own shitty soap opera that he writes. Right. And then he realizes that as he writes in that world, he can affect it. Okay. Uh, but there's a there's a jerk off, you know, suit writer or whatever hired by the network people uh, that gets introduced earlier in the film, and he realizes that that guy is still writing against him. Played by who? In the real world, it, nobody famous. Okay. So he's so he can't just do anything. He's got to fight against this other guy's writing, but it's funny. And there's a great line when uh, uh the guy that played Sledgehammer, what's his name again? Uh, David Rash. Yeah. He's got a great line where he's a doctor and somebody needs the Heimlich maneuver and John Candy does it so he can impress this woman. He writes it that he does it and the mm-hmm. doctor doesn't know what to do as uh-huh. the person's choking. And uh, after John Candy saves the person, the doctor is all distraught and everybody's going, shame on you. You're, you know. And he's like, I'm a doctor. I know the Heimlich maneuver. I do it all the time. It's one of my favorite maneuvers. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a funny. It's a, it's a funny movie. I'll I'll rewatch it. I lately when I've been revisiting things that I remembered as not being great, I'm I'm proven correct. I have a few of those for next week's uh, movie corner. I'd like to close. I just finished the third season of HBO's Insecure, uh, which I just think is a really good show that I have never spoken about on here before. Uh, it stars Issa Rae, who I found a little annoying in like the first couple of episodes. She was playing like, aren't I a nerd a little too hard because she's an absolutely stunningly gorgeous person. And that can be difficult for true nerds to watch someone act like they're a nerd (laughs) and they're gorgeous. Um, but she quickly, I think, learned that that was not her strong suit and just played herself as a woman who struggles with. Uh, relationships and intimacy and dating. It was kind of like a black Sex in the City ish, but much younger here in LA. So it's cool to see all the you know places you've been and all the locations that you go to in different bars and stuff. The haunts, the haunts, yeah. But I just think it's a extremely well written relationship show. Uh, way better than like Divorce and the other recent attempts that HBO has had. Uh, feels very truthful. Feels very funny. Some hot sex on it. Uh, it's a great show. They're three seasons in. Each season's like eight episodes. I recommend it. Have you seen the trailer for this camping show? What the fuck is camping? I know a guy who writes for it. He's a great guy. I'm not going to speak. I haven't seen it, but I'm just like, how is this a show? My buddy, Brid- I love Juliet Lewis. My buddy Bridget Everett is in it. I and love I, Bridget Everett, and I was happy to see that she was in a show. And YouTube, for some reason, like one night, every video I watched, they'd run a two-minute scene from that show. Yeah. I mean, the fucking thing is, I'm just like, what are, the, what are they? This is like, it's like, there was a time. Now, now um, um, Modern Family, say, right? Right. Modern Family is a good show, but it's also a good show for that for net for abc you know what i mean like not to shit on abc but you're like given all the fucking boundaries that get put on things on one of the three major networks this is they did a pretty good fucking job here you expect one the other night hadn't seen it in five years i was laughing out loud modern family has great characters and great jokes unquestionably i expect a little more out of hbo 
course. There are no boundaries. They can do whatever they want. It's not TV. It's a, it's HBO. <laughs> so to have this comedy where the jokes are very, you know, they're just the, these characters aren't very believable. Right. Juliette Lewis is playing this like, you know, and she's it's funny, but she, it's kind of funny, but she, you know. Uh, that's when I realized I didn't need vitamins. It's v- Vitali. They should read, you know, like one of these hippie fucking. Uh-huh. And it's like, I guess this character is sort of believable. Like, but I mean, who ca- I'm watching HBO. I don't a bit about vitamins being bad. I don't know. It's just yeah. boring. Well, it's you know how when you go, you see, go see a comedian. And to me, Seinfeld never went this way, even though Seinfeld is one of the richest men in America, I would imagine. But you go see your comedian that you love, and then at some point you realize their jokes are just about like flying first class, yeah, and like how you can't get a good reservation at a five star restaurant or whatever, yeah. and they start to kind of edge you out. That is what HBO has completely become. There, are, there's no Eastbound and Down anymore. There's no show for the people. Yeah, it's just these shows for like people who think they're smart, people who laugh too loud at a movie at an art house to prove that they get the jokes. Um, this gross, like I, I, I think John Oliver's show is very smart and funny, but there's also this air of smugness and superiority about it that always keeps me at a distance. Well, make no, make no, there are no two ways about it. I, I am a fan of John Oliver, and I, yes. I enjoy uh, his show whenever I catch it. But that is a show for privileged white people. I mean, that is that yes. is a show for people with money. Yes, mostly white. I mean, that is not a show for the people. It's the same thing like Bill Maher. Bill Maher is talking is. to people in the Hamptons. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I and I like Bill Maher too, but like, it's just I don't like Bill Maher. John Oliver is pretending he's not Bill Maher, and to some degree, yes, I think he's better and a better joke writer. But uh, they are t- playing to the exact same people—people people yeah. who have nothing to worry about. <clears throat> and that—that that to me is the network in a nutshell. I, nothing to worry about except their worries. <laughs> <laughs> where, where I like it is uh, is in an insecure when they're showing you not a huxtable version of Black America, but they're showing you a very different side of like Inglewood than you generally see in movies and TV. Right, yeah. And I, I think it's an awesome show in just that regard as like a sort of travelogue type show of lesser explored areas. That's why. Of Los uh, that's why Friday was so awesome. Ice Cube said. Absolutely. Ice Cube said. He was like, I, I just, I, I wanted to see a movie about the hood that was fun. Yes. Like, it's not all fucking right. awful shit. Like, we had fun, man. Right. You know, so. Um, but right. I, I think everything else on HBO uh, can kind of fuck itself at this point. I, I think Silicon Valley is a very snobby show. I think Divorce is an unwatchably snobby show. I haven't seen Divorce yet. Um, they're just movies for and about rich people or shows about for and about rich people. Yeah. Apparently they're doing a new Danny McBride, Adam Devine, John Goodman show about televangelists. Oh, okay. I think that's going to be fucking great. I would imagine. I liked Vice Principals, but like you can't have only Danny McBride holding up the rest of America portion of your network. Like High Maintenance is a is an awesome show and very well written, but that too, everybody in it is talking about, you know, the new. Uh, What's high whatever the fuck indie film or whatever. There's no like real people in it. Oh, that's the pot one. Yes. Yeah. No. That's that's. I like the show quite a bit. It's I just, good, but it caters to very specific personality types. I would say that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um. All right. Well, look. I'll let you end it there. Great. Because we're at 35 minutes. Great. Uh, I, I mean, Joe's a real timekeeper, folks. Well, I, I, I could I, talk all day. 
Joe says you guys don't deserve more than a, a strict hour. I, I, Even I, after all you've done for us, and I, I argue I with him it, about it. I have it written on the wall over the TV <laughs> so Pat doesn't forget. Uh, well, I want to do a. Uh, I want to get to a uh, twenty-four hour news psycho. Oh, please, and I'll grab a beer while you do. From Scream NN, ladies and gentlemen, much to my surprise, I didn't know it'd be here this soon. Uh, the Pet Cemetery uh, trailer came out for the new Pet Cemetery, uh, and to me, that's news uh, for two reasons. Number one, it's a it's a movie that a lot of horror fans are obviously looking forward to. Number two, the is, it, is it Lithgow? Yeah, okay. Smith Gow and Jason Clark, Jason Clark, the guy that we keep talking about yes. that I can't even remember his name. Um, and um, the trailer's great. Um, but, oh, it's also news because the director announced the same day, like, this movie will definitely be rated R. And his quote was, it's a fucked up movie. Um, right. Real spooky imagery in the, in the trailer. It looks to be well directed and well acted. Um, I don't know that you see Lithgow in it, but his voice is what's narrating the trailer. Uh, I fucking love Lithgow. Who I do too. That movie? I don't remember. I'm, how long has it been since we've seen Lithgow in like a juicy, big budget movie? He's done such great work in TV, but Rise of the Planet of the Apes, probably. He was in the first was one. He? He, yeah, he played the dad with. He played James Franco's dad that had Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was great in that. Yeah, he was great. He always is. I love him. Um, one weird thing, it's not a criticism, it was just something I wasn't ready for. Lithgow does not play it with the New England accent. I'm disappointed. I thought I was too, but I understand why he didn't do it. Yeah. He, I, I was like, if he was doing... He, as an actor, was like, if I do that accent, it's going to sound like <laughs> I'm just parroting Fred Gwynn. Right. And I'm like, he's right. You can't be an older man and do that accent and not sound like you're doing Fred Gwynn yeah. in that role. So you I boys th- aren't going to bury that kitty cat, are you? <laughs> Up there on the top of old Pet Cemetery Hill. <laughs> Rocking chair. Um, That's a beloved character I return to on Twitter a lot is me in a rocking chair on my porch. And then all the teens gather around me to hear my, my, my wisdom. Right. I use it a lot on Twitter. And you do this on my... I thought Twitter had, uh, had made a new rule that unless you were bitching about politics, you weren't allowed to tweet. <laughs> I, I tweet now once a month, and then I get out as quickly as I came because wow. I, I, I can't even stand it. Shutting that fucking thing down it's is the best joyless thing hole. I ever did. It, it, is, it, is, uh, it is so out of my life. I took Instagram off my phone. Yeah. I never look at Facebook. I, I just love it. I should, too. Facebook just had another 5 million person leak. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, that's I don't why China any... banned it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they banned it. I was, when I was over there, I was like, why did they ban Facebook and Google? And they're like, because they thought that they were going to sell our information to people. Right. And I'm like, they did. Yeah. <laughs> well, how does Pet Cemetery look? It looks great. Okay. It looks very atmospheric, very moody. As I said, it looked... Uh, it's a strange thing to say after you see the trailer, but just from the trailer alone, I was like, this looks like it was really well directed. Who directed it? I don't know. Remember when we had this exact Who directed same it? I thought maybe you'd looked it up. No. I mean... Are the animals, what, CGI? No. People in animal costumes? Yeah. It's, it's, they're, they're puppets. Puppets, okay. So there's a, the Henson Company did most of the work, as All far right, as right. I understand. Um, Pet Cemetery 2019 film. Yeah, I'll show you a picture of Church the Cat. Do you like the Ridge Pet Cemetery I, film? I love it. Yeah. Do you like Pet Cemetery too? No, it's a that's dog shit. Yeah. Um oh Damn also they shit. announced that Zelda in this version 
will be true to the book. She'll be a 12-year-old girl. Okay. And they said it will still be very scary. But, uh, you know, we don't know until we see it. It's scary to see Pet Cemetery, the Ridge. Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmer directed this film. Uh, Kevin Kolsch also directed Starry Eyes. Okay, I know people love that. I never saw it. Uh, he directed a segment in Holidays. Uh, it looks like those are the two standouts. Wow. Horror is a genre where you can make a jump to the big time real quick. Yeah. Um, anyway, it looks good. Go check out the trailer. I was going to show you the picture of Church the Cat. We should do an episode where you and I watch like 15 new trailers. Oh, that'd be fun. We should do that soon. That'd be fun. There's, Go to like the Apple page or whatever. There's Church back from the dead. Okay. Did you see the trailer for the Will Smith Aladdin? Yeah. Did you see what happened with the writers? No, and I haven't seen the trailer either, but what's it all about? The trailer's... Musical? Uh, it's it's a teaser. It's it's the cave mouth opening and the voice being doing that rhyme about the okay. worthy one or whatever. Yeah. And the fucking writers of the animated one came out and they were like, hey, it's funny that the only dialogue in the new Aladdin trailer is stuff me and my writing partner wrote for the original movie and we haven't gotten a fucking dime. And he goes, Woo. and he goes. By the way, this is what Disney does with all of these remakes. They don't pay anybody that worked on the original material. Not a surprise. Wow, Disney's getting Disney's. I mean, that's the thing. You start throwing your dick all around. Yeah. Somebody's going to stick it to you. Walking around buying up everything. Yeah, you know they're uh, buying uh, Fox like within three weeks. And I work at Fox, so every week, like people look like they're panicking for their lives. Um. Anyway, that was this new Scream NN. Okay. New Psycho. Uh, Let's get to the flick. All right. Right? Yeah. Tales from the Hood 2. It's now streaming on Netflix. Um, I had sort of read advance, not so great word, but I was like, you know what? Tales from the Hood had its haters too, and I really admired that movie. Uh, same creative team. Spike Lee returning as an EP. Yep. I thought, how can we go wrong? And you got, you're, you'd hate to see Clarence Williams yeah. drop out, but then you, Keith David steps in. Right. And you think, this is great. Um, this movie was fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> From start to finish. And even though its heart is in the right place... And it's got a decent message. I'm not going to give this thing a fucking pass. <laughs> this is a shit movie. Yes, the shit. The shit. How many times <laughs> do they go back to that joke? So many Every times. segment. It's not funny anymore. Every segment he would go back to that. The yeah. shit. Then there's a button scene on the credits where, or, or the last line, whatever, in the movie. Now that's some shit. I'm like, yeah. stop it. You didn't invent the word shit. They do, they do it. They call back to it like five times. <sighs> this movie sucked. It looks as though it cost one one hundredth of the original movie, and those are nineteen ninety five dollars. Uh, it appears to have been shot on like an iPhone, edited in iMovie. It's cheap, which okay, low budget is fine, but these stories are so fucking preachy. That at times they forget they're even trying to tell you a story or be entertaining. You're just watching like it's like 
a, a film designed for like a history of racism course at like a community college. Yeah. It, it, there is no entertainment value in it at all. Well, and it hits its points so obviously and so th- like boringly that you don't feel anything. You're certainly not scared. It does not work as a horror movie at all. No. But Doesn't really, as, as social commentary, either. it's so lazy and obvious and shitty. I, I was kind of appalled by it. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the one-dimensional villains. Yeah. Now, in the first movie, the 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 the, the, the villains were not entire, incredibly complex, but a, a one- or two-dimensional villain works when it's a racist cop. You don't really need to know much more. You yeah. know that racist cops exist. Sure. And you don't need to get much more across than that in the story and the point and the point you're trying to tell. This fucking thing opens with a story about a 22 year old blonde girl who's obsessed with like mammy dolls and shit like that. And it's like, right. c- couldn't you have couldn't you have made it like believable? Make it an older lady, like do make it a like I'm sorry, like in this woke day and age, I'm just not. I'm not saying this person can't exist. I'm just right. not buying it. And then she's like, she wants this one doll so badly because she goes, it looks like my first that I ever got from my grandma. And then she wants it so right. bad she breaks into the right. museum to steal it when the guy won't sell it to her. I mean, it's fucking stupid. It's we're just not believable. We're supposed to believe there is a gorgeous like, 16-year-old girl who is obsessed with the mammy culture. Yeah. And a little do- it, it's, uh, it's so stupid that you can't get on board with it. And what here like here's off the top of my head what would have been a very interesting segment is that same girl, the same actress, you have the same people, but you go into the fetishization of black men. Yes. Or something like that where, you know, like th- then that is something that you can really hear two sides of the debate. You can hear the pros and cons. Th- this just created its own thing it wanted to tell a story about mammies and those dolls and found this way in that was so kind of embarrassing that a movie like ghost world where Bashemi is obsessed with that culture right um honestly dealt with this stuff in a, in a more sort of sensitive way oddly enough um here's another gripe i have with the film are we done with that segment? Because eventually no, no. she gives birth. She gives birth to a bunch of men. Well, then the doll comes to life, which right. is just basically the third story of the last movie, right? which they do call back to because the doll from the Corbin Burnson story is in the place. Yes. Um, but it's still the same premise. It's, it's th- this, this doll is, has been poisoned by racism, right. and because of that, it possesses the spirit of... of of the tortured souls that suffered through that time period. It's the same fucking story. But it, instead of it being this cool, creepy, little, weird puppet doll that comes to life, this thing comes to life, and it's just a guy in a giant, like, cloth <laughs> costume. It's ridiculous. Looking, honestly, like a gingerbread man. It, it looked ridiculous. Yeah. It, it wasn't... It wasn't... There was nothing moody or creepy or scary about it. And no. then... Yeah, and then he fucks her, and she gets pregnant because she wants to fuck the doll, by the way. Yeah, she's, like, coming on to the doll because that's how much she loves... These dolls. Dolls of the Old South. Like, And then she gets pregnant. And, and, her- and I'm not missing some commentary here, either. I think that this was just really, like, a, a badly done story.
Here's where the movie went wrong to begin with. Pat, what's the name of this movie? Tales from the Hood 2. Maybe one of the stories takes place in the hood? Very, very <laughs> valid point. <laughs> Literally not one story in the hood. I bar- We barely saw the hood. <laughs> See, even, we- even the story that connects the stories. So those, those stories should, those tales should be coming from the hood. <laughs> and they're in a lab. They're in a lab. Creating a robot. In like the country somewhere. Yeah. There is literally not Joe, one. Joe, it didn't even occur to me. Excellent point. <laughs> no stories coming from the hood. No tales from the hood. By the way, not only, not only were the tales not taking place in the hood, some of them revolved around white women that lived in mansions in the suburbs. <laughs> Correct. What, 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 how far away for, up from this are we getting? Correct. So like, let's go to the second story. There's a, a man that I thought was A.J. Benza, <laughs> but then realized it was the, guy, the gay closeted guy from Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> You watch like this, like kind of fucked up prison sort of sequence, and they, you know, he accuses this guy of, you know, in a sort of weirdly homophobic scene of like taking it in the ass in prison, and then it's all very generic shit. Well, they're shaking this guy down, right? Who was a pimp, right? And they're shaking him down for money, and the guy says, "I'm not a pimp anymore." Yeah, uh, I've I've cleaned up, and they don't want to hear that, and they get angry, and they're beating him, trying to get the money out of him again. This could have been in a sort of hood relative place. <laughs> They're in a garage of nothing but $200,000 cars. Yeah, like a warehouse somewhere. Uh, then and cut to a TV so they psychic. Kill him. They kill him. They kill him. Yeah. Cut to a TV psychic for the most boring five minutes of, of film I've seen in a long time. Then suddenly this psychic starts performing the pimp through himself. Well, this segment felt I get like you know like as, as in like a, an all of me type scenario where the ghost is coming through this white. You're guy. skipping a huge. You just made a big jump there. Yes. The gang. First of all, it jumps to the psychic story. Right. I literally thought I had missed the end of the prior story. <laughs> yeah. Because it's such a hard turn. I'm like, what is happening? Exactly. And uh, it seemed like a new story. Yeah. So I'm watching that, and then I realize. Oh, and then it cuts and you see that the gangster that killed the guy is watching this psychic and then calls his buddies and says, I know how we can find the money. And their plan is they're going to force this. They're going to break into the psychic's house and at gunpoint make him summon the spirit of the dead pimp to tell them where the money is. And all of me, you are you are one hundred percent right. That 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 thing where he starts doing all the people they killed. Yeah, he's channeling all their spirits yeah. and like, and one of them's a mobster, like a, like a mafia mobster. And the, the, I swear to God, the the line is one of the gangsters going, "Sammy the Shark." Right. I mean, Jesus Christ. Those scenes, if I'm not mistaken, because it was hard to tell what tone this was going for moment to moment were played for comedy at the expense of a white guy doing a black voice. If those scenes weren't played for comedy and it was supposed to be scary, I don't know what to tell you. But I think that there was they were in on the joke of that, but my no, God, was it was supposed it to be funny. Yeah, it wasn't funny, though. It was terrible. Um, and it felt, again, sort of like wrong to be watching in a way. It felt like more racist than the racism it was calling out at times. And that story... yes. That story was far and away the best story 
of all four, that was the best story. I, I have a hard time declaring a winner because I hated them all. But, but oh, and go the, on. The joke is in there too, where he's like, where they're like, you, where he's going to kill the gangsters now that killed him initially, and he goes, you know. And the guy, guy goes, we brought you back. Like, come on, man. Look, you're in a mansion and, and you, you can be this psychic guy and you're famous and whatever. Why would you be mad about that? And, and the line is because I have a I had a bigger dick. Yeah, it's terrible. It's just it's just hacky humor. It's terrible. Um, yeah, it really it sucked. It, it reminded me so much of this of a course I took in college. And I don't even remember the name of it, but it was a it was a sociology course. And it was just learning about like the most obvious things. Like it would be like, did you know like the Cosby Show like introduced uh, affluent black families to white America, or whatever? And you, I'd be sitting there like, well, yeah. And you'd look around and there were these kids like, oh my god, like yeah, right. It was like one of those classes where like twenty nine white people were having their minds blown, you know. And yeah. then there was one black guy like, seriously, yeah. Are we really taking this class? It was gross. It was in Missouri. I always felt gross in the class. And weirdly, I felt gross watching this movie. And to know it was made by an all-black team, I found kind of baffling as well. I'm scratching my head. The third story is just a Me Too story and doesn't take place in the hood. So now it's we're twice removed. <laughs> centers around an Asian woman and, and, and a black woman. Yeah. But now, and and they're once again rich. Two rich women in the suburbs. The kids going there to me. Two of them are rich. They're driving a fucking convertible. This story offended the hell out of me. It was five minutes long, for starters. Uh, they're already doing me too in the fucking wraparound story where yeah. the boss keeps grabbing her ass. Yeah. So like. Maybe we could have cut that out of the wraparound story if you're going to do its own story because it makes no sense and it honestly feels cheap and gross to be using it in your fucking robot politician story that you're trying to do. This one I was scratching my head because I, I, I literally would have this conversation over and over in my head while I was watching. I was like, why are they doing a Me Too story? Oh, well, Me Too is a problem, in, in, is a thing in the hood. Wait, but wait, wait, then why aren't they in the fucking hood? Right. And it just kept going back and forth. <laughs> right. Over how does it over. affect the hood if you're going to do the hood story? <laughs> because we all know how it affects you know, people in affluent societies. This, you know, like this politician that they forced this Me Too story on and the wraparound story, it he's doing enough. You don't have to also give him that to hate the guy. Well, that's what I mean about one-dimensional villains. It was, it yeah. was, it was like the guy is so careless that you're like, oh, come on. Right. Uh, but, you know, but um, it's, um, by the way, the wraparound story is just. That's the worst. Oh, well. When the, ro- I, I think we should deal with the robot turning on him at the end of this Well, we, we will, but yeah. let's first get to the fourth story. I'm not done with the Me Too story. <laughs> so these women, and then they have them in bras and panties for the entire scene, which felt very gratuitous to me in a movie that's supposed to be making a point about Me Too. But they're lying there drugged. These guys are talking about how they're going to fuck them while they're unconscious. And there are jokes between them. And I don't mean like they're joking, like their characters are scummy. There are jokes that I believe we, the audience, are expected to laugh with. Like when he says, like, hey, I would never hit a woman. Like, what's wrong with you? Now let's fuck these women that we've knocked unconscious. That's like a multicam sitcom joke. Right. Where they're standing there basically dicks out, ready to rape a couple of unconscious women. What is the tone of this fucking thing? (laughs) What is the tone of it? Then they become vampires. 
The women do. The women become vampires and punish these guys to like hell. It all takes like five minutes. And here's the big moral of this story. Date rape is bad. Raping an unconscious woman is bad. Hey, thanks, Tales from the Hood too. You don't have any more interesting spin than that? <laughs> yeah. The, well, and they, they really thought it was clever that they were like, the women are predators, and they prey on the men that are predators. They really thought there was like a really clever twist. Yes. Um, and because the women end up eating them and feeding them to a hungry vamp with some some shit, I don't know. But uh, the uh, the uh, this one too. I mean, I I literally yelled this at the TV. The second these two rich guys get to the house of the two rich women, yeah, that they're gonna fuck, or that they met on Tinder or whatever the fuck it is. The immediately the women are ready to have sex with them, right? After playing cards against humanity, which clearly paid yeah. to have the game in the movie. Yeah, they, they so then they play they they're they're like drinking all night, they're playing cards against humanity, they're laughing. Everything out of the women's mouth is a dick joke and yeah. how they want to have sex. They Yet, would have had sex with them voluntarily. Yeah. And then the guy goes off and roofies them. Like it's just I'm not saying again that that doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's bad writing. Make it that the guys make the guy more of a scumbag. Make it that the girl isn't going to fuck him, and then he does that. So I really right. hate hate him even fucking more. It's just write it, write it, put some tension or conflict into this thing. Yeah, it, it was it was very badly done. They were all very badly done, and and now I can't get this hood thing out of my head, which I wasn't even thinking about because of course there's so much more to say twenty years later about how the hood has evolved and what has changed since the original movie. Yeah. Nothing. Not really, really not even a mention. Nope. The no. last story. No, nothing. And, and the wraparound with this Trump guy that's basically supposed to be Donald Trump, not the only mention they make of his of, of the effect of a guy like that on certain communities in the country right. is when he makes a joke about his prisons that he owns being filled with black people. Yeah. That's it. Hey, here's an idea. Maybe that's a fucking story you do. Of Maybe course. you do a jail story. Right. Then he, or then they really introduce something interesting with immigration, which would also not be a story from the hood, but he's like the robot comes out who's supposed to be cracking down on crime and it's wait, like Wait, wait, don't get to the robot yet. We're not there yet. You're talking about the man. I thought we were there. No, no, no. Well, I'm just saying in this wraparound, right. which, which is leading us to the fourth story. All right. What which is, is I don't not even, only I don't even remember the fourth story. The fourth story is not only a mirror of the wraparound story. A white politician, yeah, who's corrupt oh, yeah, and yeah, dirty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's an identical retelling to the Corbin Burnson same story, story. Um, except the only difference is is this this one does flashbacks of uh, of the, the Emmett Till Emmett Till of you who who was who was who was attributed with starting the civil rights right. movement because he was beaten to death. This one felt like something when you have a substitute uh, excuse me a substitute teacher in eighth grade. That they would yeah. show you this story. That that's what it felt like to me. This fucking story, I and I, I rewound it and timed it. <laughs> thirty three minutes. Yeah, thirty three minutes. This story, not one part of it is a tale. Not one part of it is scary. <laughs> not one part of it is supposed to be horror. Not one it's, part of it is in the hood. It's literally just like 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 a bad Twilight Zone. Yeah, and not even really like the, the ghosts of Emmett Till and Martin Luther King and the four girls blown up in the church. They all come and like talk to this guy to tell him like, 
you know, you've got so much more freedom than we did. You need to use it better than how you're using it. Or yeah, because he's working for the white he's politician. He's working for a white politician. Which, again, he's a black man. Corbin Burnson, the black right. guys were working for him in that one, you know, and there's the conflict of, you know, right. I know am I doing the wrong thing here or whatever? But, like, let me tell you this. Of course, there's a billion things to say about Donald Trump and the politics of today's society and how that affects black people and how that affects minorities and how that affects immigrants and everyone. This story, at the end of the day, who who is this for? Is it for Omarosa? Because what other high-level black person is working for Donald Trump? You're not you're not even calling out someone. This isn't a real problem. There there are, there are you know, legitimate issues raised in the movie, but to be going after some a black person for supporting Trump, there, I think how it was, many are there? I think for God's it was sake? Sh- not many. Well, I think it was a shot at black Republicans there because that is a thing on YouTube where like is that a big enough issue, really? Black Republicans? Well, that they, that's that was his issue with it. That yeah. was the writer's issue. That's why that, that's what it was about. It was about like how could you support this team right. when they do this? But again. There's a way to do that, I, and, and there are it, black Republicans, but it, it, it's certainly not the majority. You there, know, like what? Do you, here's the thing: it's too small a target to build this 33 minute segment around. I think a 33 minute segment was not needed. Yeah, I think there are better things that they could have had the ghost of Emmett Till come back and yell at a guy for not doing sure. or not appreciating. Um, and I also think, once again, one-dimensional. You got the you got the guy that's running for governor of the state, and he's standing there, and he's going, he's going. My my colleague, uh, who's 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 his campaign manager is black, and he's going. He's got a beautiful white wife. Mm-hmm. In the same breath that he's saying we've gotten past racism, and it's like, guys, there's a lot of dumb racist politicians out there. How many of them are that fucking dumb right. that during a speech to voters, they're <laughs> pointing that out? They're, yeah. they're, they're putting an emphasis on the word white. It's yeah. like, t- just give it a little nuance, for Christ's sakes. It's so much more interesting to watch a guy swindle people right. than to watch a guy just say awful shit and everybody just goes along with it inexplicably. Right. And the stuff with his wife where she's going to kill the baby and all that, uh, you know, just none, none of it played... It it's you're absolutely right that it was not any kind of horror movie. There was no, no horror element to it, and there were big chunks of this, especially like the Field of Dreams with uh, black icons Martin Luther King and, and Emmett Till and etc. And it really was a Field of Dreams, like they're all ghosts standing there in front of them, where they abandon all pretense of horror of storytelling of anything, and it really just became sort of an educational film strip. And it makes no sense in an R-rated he, horror movie that's also going to like do big jokes and have girls running around in their underwear. I, I found the whole thing to be an absolute disaster and a mess. The movie's terrible. Now and we haven't even gotten to the robot. The end. So this wraparound story is about this politician. The reason that um, Sims is there telling stories to him is because they've created an artificial intelligence that will police society. Right. A la RoboCop. He needs it to tell he needs uh, Sims to tell him the robot story so the robot can learn what crime is. It's such a convoluted fucking plot. Anyway, at the end Honestly, until the end I didn't know what was going on in that story. I had no <laughs> idea what was going on in that story. It's not. 
So in the end, they do the big presentation, like in RoboCup. Right. The robot comes out, like in RoboCup. <laughs> it looks literally like something that would come in a Happy Meal. Yeah. It's it's it's. It looked like Johnny Five. It's horrible. Yeah. No, Johnny Five looked a hundred <laughs> times better. This thing looked like a looked like a man in a plastic suit. It looked ridiculous. Right. right. Um, and then. The thing goes haywire and kills the candidate who's presenting the robot to the people. Right. Well, Just first, like it's in like, fucking RoboCop. Right. First, it's like uh, six of you are illegal immigrants, and they have six Hispanic people get up and like get captured by the robot. And you're like, all right. Then three of you are robbers, and like three people who have robbed get up, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. And by the way. What illegal immigrant is going to the public rally that the racist politician is holding? Who's going? I got to get over. Joe, it's an extremely valid question. (laughs) Then they ask the robot who you've you've neglected to mention, and I I wrote it down here is named Robo Patriot. (laughs) Then Robo Patriot turns. And they're like, the, the Robo Patriot's job is to eliminate any threats to America. It turns on the politician and says the following quote Robo Patriot identifies punk ass bitch. Yeah. Then it shoots the president and the and movie. Do you, do, you, no, do you get the why he says punk ass bitch? Do I get why he says it? Oh, hold on a second. Keep keep talking because I got to look this up. Well, yeah. Then basically, it ends with Keith David driving him to hell. The one aspect of this movie I thought was cool was like the incredibly cheesy Tim Burton esque opening credits with like floating skulls and shit. Uh, I- Certainly not enough to recommend it. It looked like a screensaver, but I thought it was kind of neat and 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 cute and old fashioned. I was. Um- See, I disagreed with you on that. Even when that credit sequence started, yeah, I was like, "Uh-oh, we might be in trouble here, man. This this doesn't look good." Did you stick around for the ending uh, sort of rap metal song that played over the credits, which Pat, would have been outdated in 1994? Pat, I made a note of it. Uh, I haven't heard a song that bad in years. Uh, I made a note of it again. This is Tales from the Hood. The movie ends with an industrial song yeah. with like a corny white guy rapping over it. Yeah, like, industrial. What in the fuck is happening? How, how do you not end this movie with a rap song? Or 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 an R and B song? Or a a rock? Anything that it come? One music, the only music that yeah. didn't come from the hood is industrial music. It's the only music <laughs> that didn't come from that. Yeah. That, that uh, neighborhood. And and by the way, I I hate industrial music. I, I, I think most people do. But industrial music hasn't been popular in 15 years. And even by industrial music standards, this was bad. Ugh. This was worse than the norm. And I believe it was a white guy rapping the song. Uh, I looked it up and uh, and I, he he if I if I found the right guy it wasn't white dude. Now look, nobody's saying white people can't live in the hood, and nobody's saying that only black people live in the hood. But for Christ's sakes, guys, at least it, have an Eminem song, <laughs> have a well, rap song. And for a franchise that was so like the original made so many great points about black people hurting black people, 
that 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 it seemed to have forgotten all of those points in this movie. You know, okay. like why would you empower a white guy to rap over the end credits of Tales from the Hood too? Um, uh, a the, bad rapper. The robot calls him dumbass bitch, not punk ass bitch. Oh, because oh, yeah, the company's called name was dumbass. No, no, no. His name is Dumas Beach. Yeah, that's oh, the character's Beach. name. Yeah, that's why he goes. Ha! It's got a it. It fights crime better than it pronounces things, or uh-huh. whatever that fucking gag was. Yeah, but they. Literally named the character Dumas Beach yeah. just so they could do that gag. Yep. Just so they could do that gag. He's standing at a podium that says dumbass in front of it in this movie that you're supposed to be scared by. <laughs> you're, the genre is horror. You know, like, they didn't even make, I, in my opinion, they made no attempt to scare in this movie, which, A, you're going to really piss off the horror audience, but B, like, it's kind of your job here. To or make don't, it scary. Or, or don't do a Tales from the Hood, because this movie did not fit the franchise or the title. No, I, I 100% agree. Two hogs down. Way down. Way Watch down. Watch the original. Please. Man, we, we, we had an hour, eight minutes All right. talking about this movie. I almost wish we would have went longer to the beginning. This could have been a two-parter. Got me, got me worked up. Uh, that's our show, folks. Uh, I'll be in Philadelphia at the Punchline. Headlining Thanksgiving weekend, four shows, two Friday, two Saturday. Come on out when you got that belly full and take a big old shit in their bathroom. Then come laugh your balls off. Yes. Uh, Our live shows are a week from tonight uh, or, you know, a week from uh, today. They're they're this week. They're they're listening to this Monday. They're they're on Saturday night. This comes out tomorrow. Right. They're on Saturday the 20th. Uh, 7.30 and 9.30. They are sold out, but, you know, see what you can do if you if you really want to come. The movies are going to be Tales of Halloween, which is on Netflix, and The New Halloween with Danny McBride uh, behind the camera. Uh, my show is The Cool Kids, Fox, and Hulu. It is on Friday nights. It is doing well. Thank you for watching. we got some great episodes coming up. Um... I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. And what else? Our next one coming up is going to be the uh, the new movie to Netflix called No. Event Horizons the next one. No, it's not. Yes it is. Remember when I texted you and I said, so we'll do Event Horizon and Tales from the Hood 2 this week and you said, "Okay, cool." And I go, "Great, we could do Apostle and People Under the Stairs next week." Uh, uh, no, I must have misread that. I'm not caught up. <laughs> I've seen Event Horizon. I have not seen Apostle. So if that is the next episode, we can't record it today. I thought you were 100% on board with watching Apostle. You were like, can't wait to watch. I am excited to we watch. a late start time. I am excited to watch. But then I said, hey, just thinking about this, should we do Event Horizon as one? And you said, yeah, no, we should do it. And I had already watched Event Horizon again. I watched everything I was supposed to except Event Horizon. Hey, folks, who knows what's coming at you next week? But eventually, two of these will be Event Horizon and Apostle. Yeah. Uh, so stay Event tuned. Event Horizon, Apostle, and People Under the Stairs are, are, uh, are coming out. It's a good show.